Good morning. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ here in Mesa, Arizona on this Sunday, August 16th. Um, it's wonderful to be here. And what's beautiful is, you know, as we prepare for Sundays, I get excited because I make an announcement every Sunday morning for it's going out. And our theme today is the transparent sin. And if you don't know what that is, just like I didn't this morning, I was excited in anticipation for what God has in store for us. And that's what's so beautiful about the scriptures is God speaks to us in so many different ways. And you know, he used parables when Christ came so that he can relate to people on multiple um, socioeconomic status, different walks in life, whether we're young or where we're old. You know, he can reach out to us and touch us through his spirit. And what's beautiful in that is that he touches us each individually. And that's my prayer, and that's our prayer as a church, that through this time, every day and every week of your life, that you might grow closer to the Lord, that you might look towards him, that you might seek him, that you might have an individual relationship with him. Because there's nothing that I can do to get you into heaven today. It's your individual choice. It's your individual relationship with Jesus Christ that matters. And same for me, that I need to work on it every single day, my relationship with him. And if I don't, I falter and I stumble and I get into trouble. But when I stay close to the Lord and I fast and I pray and I read the word of God, I'm energized and he keeps me close to him. So I'm excited for you to be here today. Um, our brother Anthony is going to address us and we look forward to what the Lord has in store and we'll open in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to worship you today. We thank you, uh, most importantly, for your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world, Lord, um, and suffered and died for each of us, Lord, that we might have hope of eternal life, hope of salvation through him. So, Lord, I pray that you might take this service into your care, that you might guide everything that we uh, say and do today. I pray that we might be led by your spirit and that you might be glorified today. We love you so much. We ask a uh, special uh, prayer today. Um, for our sister Wilma, uh, who was rushed to the hospital this morning. I pray uh, for all those who are sick and afflicted across this country, Lord, uh, that your uh, healing touch might be upon them, uh, that your spirit of comfort might be with them as well. We love you so much. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. It's uh, certainly good to be in God's house today, and we bid you good day. It might be morning, noon, or night when you might be watching this, but we uh, greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're just blessed to be here, blessed to have the Lord's um, watchful eye over us as we even go through um, these amazing, interesting times that we're living in. You know, we've had more opportunities in the last five months than I think we would normally have in a year or two to hear uh, wonderful, inspired preaching, to uh, share in testimony and hear experiences uh, because of you know, the electronic media, because of the, the different platforms that we have that the church has been meeting uh, around the country and we've been allowed uh, to you know, log into and to take part in. And it's been a feast. For me, at least, it's been a feast of wonderful, wonderful things. There's a, a hymn in the Saints Hymnal, number 73, and um, we haven't sung it much out this way, but I know when we live back east, there's a feast of good things for the righteous preparing, a beautiful, beautiful little tune. And it talks about that feast, and it talks a little bit about even the, um, 
the wedding feast that was prepared. And you know, a few months ago, this is just in keeping because, the, because all these meetings, all this preaching has really been kind of swirling around a theme that the Lord has been trying and asking and entreating us to draw closer to him in, in our individual lives, you know, collectively and in our own lives. And I hope and pray, brothers and sisters and friends, I hope each one of you are feasting on what's been made available to you because it's, it's glorious. And um, those, who, those who have testified that they're you know, logging on to every meeting they possibly can, you can just hear it in their voice. You can see it on their face how blessed they are. And, and again, it's been made available to us. A few months ago, again, a brother in Monongahela was preaching on this wedding feast. And it was about, about the point where uh, the man uh, attends the wedding feast and the master or the giver of the feast recognizes that he doesn't have a wedding garment on. And it's, it's tragic. It's really, it's really bad news. And uh, the point of the sermon was, you know, the wedding garment wasn't necessarily your, uh, your membership certificate to this church or any church. It had a lot more to do with your heart, the state and mind of your heart and your relationship with God. So, um, the, toward that end this morning, I had this topic and this theme thought out for several months, actually. Um, my only intent this morning as I deliver this message is uh, to bring you the word of God that I've been called to bring in spirit and the truth with his help. I ask an interest in your prayers toward that end. I hope that I might help us as a people, starting with myself, to draw closer, to be closer to that place where we need to be. Um, if we're not quite there yet, the Lord's urging us to get there, and I hope that this little message might help all of us today. A few months ago, actually it was April, about four months ago, I stood here and I had a message that was entitled, How Is Your Heart? And it was a, it was a, a message about um, a spiritual heart condition that, that uh, needed to be amended in our lives, perhaps. It was about unforgiven, unforgiven um, offenses toward us that we had to deal with between us and God. We had to achieve that state of forgiveness and clean our heart and our mind of resentment and bitterness, uh, regardless of the circumstances around us. It was between us and God. And this morning, I have another heart issue to talk about, and it's a delicate one this morning. So uh, bear with me, and um, as we go forward, um, you might be thinking to yourself, Brother Anthony, you're always preaching about sin. And uh, maybe it's because I'm an expert in the uh, subject, but, uh, but the, the real answer to that is uh, I am a sinner saved by grace, and I praise God and thank him every day for the blood of his son, Jesus Christ that washed away my sin and is there to wash away yours. So praise God for his son, Jesus Christ, and that precious blood of Calvary. I'm calling this uh, today the transparent sin because um, that word transparent has a couple of meanings. It's, it's, uh, when I was younger, it had one meaning, and it's taken on a very different meaning over the years. Um, when I was younger, it meant it was, it was uh, clear, it was see-through, it was kind of invisible. And there is an invisible aspect to this sin that I'm going to talk about. And the other meaning of the word transparent, I think that I've come to hear it used more in, is that it's obvious. It's, it's, there's no secrets. It's obvious. It's out there. 
And transparency today has more to do with that than about the see-through aspect of things or the invisible aspect of things. But this, this is a sin that is invisible to the wearer, you might say. As you, as you have it on you and you look in the mirror, um, I can just about guarantee you, you won't recognize it. Or if you do, you won't acknowledge it. We had a, um, a Wednesday night scripture study a couple of weeks ago. And um, this topic could have come up. I think our, our brother who was leading the discussion um, was thinking it might go there. You know, when you're, when you're facilitating a discussion and you have a, a PowerPoint, you lead people through some questions. Um, depending on how the discussion goes, you may reach your end that you have on your PowerPoint, or you may not. And in this case, it went a little bit differently. And our brother followed the direction of the, of the discussion, which was good. I liked the way that he was flexible to that. But the question, or the topic of the Wednesday night was gratitude. And we were talking about gratitude, particularly as an essential ingredient in prayer. We have to approach the Lord with a heart of thanksgiving and appreciation and just overflowing um, indebtedness to him for all of his goodness because nothing that we have do we deserve, nothing good that we have. And in his mercy and his grace, he gives it to us so richly. So that was kind of like the theme of what we were talking about in this topic of gratitude. And the discussion question that came up on the PowerPoint, and I might not have it exact, but basically the next question that was in the, in the line of thought was, is your sense of gratitude ever affected by other people's circumstances? So when I saw that question, um, I thought to myself, and I said to my wife who was next to me, I said, wow, he's, he's going into some territory here. I wonder how this is going to go. Well, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. And, and the, uh, the people that were offering their answers were saying, yes, when I see people in, uh, in difficult circumstances, naturally speaking, I have more appreciation for what I have. Or even when I see someone spiritually lost, I, I um, stand so firm and so gratefully upon what the Lord has given me. And those were the kinds of answers that were um, in the discussion, which were all good answers, but they weren't exactly what um, I thought was going to happen. And, um, and as I saw the next slide in the, on the brother's presentation, I saw that wasn't exactly where he was intending it for it to go, but he was flexing toward it. And as I thought about it, I said, you know, as we, as we have this discussion, there's an 800-pound gorilla in the room that nobody is talking about. And I thought, maybe this is better, a better subject for a sermon than a discussion because it is delicate. And as I saw the brother skip quickly through his next slide, um, this, is, this is what he showed on the next slide. And again, I saw it just at a, at a glance and I realized I, I, my hunch was correct. So he put up um, on his next slide, Exodus, the 20th chapter, the 17th verse. And we can uh, go to that if it's on the uh, presentation now. And this is, of course, one of the Ten Commandments. It's the last of the Ten Commandments. And again, we didn't really go there in the discussion, and that's one of the reasons that as my thoughts over the several past months have been coming together, I thought, okay, now's the time to, uh, to bring this forth. This scripture says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. 
So the sin, the transparent sin this morning uh, that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go there, is covetousness. It's the sin of envy and jealousy. The sin of looking at what others have and desiring it to the point of distraction for yourself. And as one of the Ten Commandments, it's prohibited. It's one of the thou shalt nots. And why do I say it's transparent? Because a lot of times we gloss over it. We kind of don't pay that much attention to it. Um, I did some reading on the subject. And many uh, religious leaders who um, routinely counsel people or even hear confessions from people of different things they've done, many have said that in their entire careers of, of spiritual counseling or leadership, no one has ever come to them saying that they struggle with this sin. It's just like invisible. It's, it's transparent to people. And um, I just thought that was interesting. People almost think like there were nine really solid commandments and then there's this other one. And, um, you know, if you go through them, and I'm, I'm not going to go through all ten, but if you think, I, you know, I picture myself sitting in a court of law, you know, is, as the accused. And the, the judge says, um, you know, what do you have to say about stealing? And, I, and I, it's like, there's the evidence. You know, there's the stuff I stole right there. It's like, guilty, Your Honor. And it's like, what do you have to say about killing? You know, it's like, we found the smoking gun. It's like, Your Honor, I, there's, you know, what can I say? I, I, I did it. And uh, what can you say about adultery? And it's like, you know, Your Honor, I have no defense for what, what the accusation is. And then they'll say, so what about coveting? And I'll say, are you crazy? No, I'm not jealous. You, don't be ridiculous. I'm not jealous. You know, this is, this is us, okay? I'm talking about me, and I'm talking probably about everybody. And why is it? Why do we like skirt the issue? Why do we avoid this subject? And so I thought a lot about it and again did some reading about it. And I think it is because admitting to coveting and jealousy is more condemning to us in our natural carnal minds than any of those other sins. And what do I, what do I mean by that? Because when we acknowledge that we have envy toward someone else, we're kind of admitting, basically, that they're winning the race of, you know, they're winning our game of life. They're taking a medal in that competition that we have created, perhaps in our own minds, with the help of the world around us and with the help of the evil one who wants to distract us. They're, you know, they're winning, they're beating us at our own game. And the fact about it is, the person that we're looking at, coveting and jealous of, they have no idea that they're in this competition that we've created in our own mind. But our pride tells us we are not going to concede this game. We are not going to admit defeat in this game. And again, it's not a game. It's not a competition. It's not a race. Except that the world we live in creates in our heart desires and thoughts of wanting things and we see other people having them. So our brother, you know, gently asked the question, does your, does your um, heart of thankfulness change when you see the circumstances of other people? And, you know, if you really wanted to dig deep or if you really wanted to be really direct, 
basically the question is, does your thankfulness, does your attitude toward God change when you see other people living your dream, you know, naturally speaking? And it's, it happens. It happens. You know, honestly, you, you, know, you know somebody maybe whose Facebook page, it just kills you when you see it. And it's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe the life they're living. And it's not fake. That really is their house. That really is their car. That really was their vacation. It's killing me. And this is, brothers and sisters and friends, this is real. I hope, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think so. I hope that you can perhaps relate to the fact that the Lord told us, thou shalt not covet for a reason. Because you do, you do have a neighbor who has all those possessions, whether they're natural or it might be, again, you know, even, even his wife, okay? That goes in a whole different direction. But those are things that are forbidden for us to even spend time thinking about. And the thing about it is we, not, we don't recognize it as a sin. We don't recognize it as a disobedience to God. We resent the people who innocently are living this life. It's like as if they're doing something against us. And this is like, this is like a childhood fairy tales, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Okay, what did Snow White ever do to that queen that she had to decide that she had to kill Snow White? She had to have Snow White killed because the queen alone in her room with that mirror told her that she was not the fairest of them all. And so the queen decided, I've got to kill Snow White. I've got to take her out. And I'm going to go even further back to not a fairy tale, but a real story in the fourth chapter of Genesis, Cain and Abel. And it's the exact same thing. What did Cain do? What cr- I'm sorry, what crime did Abel commit against Cain that warranted his hatred to the point where he murdered his brother? The only thing that Abel did was offer a sacrifice unto the Lord, and it was accepted. And Cain, for whatever reason, maybe he wasn't there yet with his sacrifice. Um, I don't think it has to do with the animal and the plants or, or uh, this or that or the other. But you know, the Lord, what the Lord requires of us is that broken heart and that contrite spirit. Maybe Abel went to the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and maybe Cain did not. And maybe that's why his sacrifice was not acceptable. But if we read the seventh verse of that fourth chapter, this is the, before Cain actually committed that crime of killing his brother. But in the meantime, he was wroth, he was angry, he was livid that the Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his. And the Lord, in the seventh verse, is merciful, and he's talking to Cain, and he's reasoning with Cain. And he's saying, you know, Cain, it's not, it's not over. All is not lost. Let's, let's work on this. And he's saying, you know, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And the Lord's saying, Cain, let's, let's work on this. You know, maybe, you've, maybe you failed the first time. Let's, you know, you've got a whole lifetime to get this perfected. And, and the Lord's willing with each and every one of us to work with us, to, to, take, to bring us along. And he's saying, if you, if you choose to go with me, you know, I'll accept you. Eventually, we'll get there where we need to be. But if you choose to go the other way, sin lieth at the door. 
Cain, you're going down a slippery slope if you go the other direction. And that, unfortunately, that's where Cain went. He, you know, who knows? He could have perhaps, and it seems to me Abel might have been a very nice, wonderful brother. He might have helped Cain if Cain went to him for help, but he didn't. Cain went to him to kill him, to take his life. And that's what happens with jealousy. It breeds resentment. It breeds hatred toward a person who is completely innocent, completely uninvolved in your life, and you're harboring these feelings. And it, it creates in us, when we have envy and jealousy and covetousness, it creates in us a, a block and a bar and a barrier to enjoying a loving, wonderful, open relationship with other people, which is what the Lord wants with us and what the Lord wants his people to have with one another and with the whole world. Jesus came, you know, it's all about love. And envy stands in the way of love. And so that's why the Lord says, thou shalt not. It's forbidden. And the thing is, even going to the Lord, even in our relationship with God, when there's resentment, when there's envy, how are we really going to go to him uh, with gratitude or with, with uh, supplication for our needs when kind of in the back of our mind we're saying, you know, Lord, there's a lot of things, a lot of things I don't have that someone else has. There's a lot of ways you could have taken care of me, a lot of opportunities I could have had, a lot of good things, and my life would be so much better, Lord, if I had these things. Now, I'm kind of being a little bit ridiculous about um, the idea of us going to the Lord with that. Um, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of more important things for us to go to the Lord with. And if, those are, if these thoughts are kind of standing in the way because of jealousy and envy, um, again, it, it damages and it hinders our relationship with the Lord. It's kind of like the clay telling the potter, um, what, how, why did you make me like this? What, what is this? And the clay doesn't do that. And I think we know that. The scriptures teach us that. The understanding we have of our Lord, who is infinitely wise and infinitely merciful, who created us in such a way as to um, draw us to him, um, to recognize even our own uh, nothingness and our own helplessness before God. You know, so these, these things that sometimes uh, eat at us and bother us, they're designed brothers and sisters and friends, they're designed to bring us to the Lord. And not saying, Lord, I want that new car in my neighbor's driveway to be in my driveway tomorrow morning when I wake up. I don't think, although the Lord's capable of doing that, I don't think that's how he's going to answer your prayer. But he is able to change you so that that isn't such an important thing, that you can understand that that is not the end-all, be-all, that you can understand that your salvation and the price again, that the Lord paid on the cross of Calvary and the freedom that you have from sin and bondage are so much more valuable than any material thing or e even any other qualities or successes. You know, people don't it isn't necessarily all about money. I mean, people have good looks, people have health, people have friends and influence and success in life that, again, it's not necessarily about money, but there's a lot of things that we can be envious of people about but the Lord made you who you are. The Lord cares deeply about you. He loves you. He created you unique 
And you have things, believe it or not, when you're wallowing in self-pity, I want you to understand, you have things that other people are looking at and they may very well envy you for. And it's very likely that they might have to deal with their struggle with envy about things that you have. And again, we're all, we're all here innocent players in this supposed game of life and people are looking at us wishing they had what we had. And again, this morning, I'm not talking about other people, I'm talking about you and myself. We need to make sure that we are free of these burdens because the Lord says there's no place for it in your people. I'm going to go, um, I had other scriptures, but I'm going to go just to one in Colossians, the third chapter, the fifth verse. And this is the Apostle Paul, wonderful writer in the New Testament. And he says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So he equates it with idolatry, with following an idol, with worshiping something other than God. That's how strong this, this um, sin of envy and covetousness can be in our lives. If we let Satan take us down that road. And so he's just saying mortify it, kill it, just, just wrestle it down to the ground and just choke it out of your life. We can't have it. And the things that he's listing here, other, including covetousness, these are things that, that um, not only defile our bodies, but our hearts and our minds. And I'm, and I'm reminded this morning, I heard um, another sermon this morning, and someone was reading in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter. It said, the, the, those who are of the flesh mind the things of the flesh, these types of things. And those who are of the spirit mind the things of the spirit. So to be carnally minded, again, another place, to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'm talking about peace this morning. If you have covetousness, you're probably not at peace with yourself, with your fellow man, with your Lord. It's, it's a huge robber of peace. We look at the world around us today, and I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of reasons a lot of people are angry today. But one of the things we see, the violence and the senseless destruction that's taking place, there's a lot of covetousness, a lot of resentment, jealousy, a lot of people thinking that they don't have what other people have. And if, you, if, if I can't have it, you can't have it either. So I'm going to take and destroy it and burn it and crush it. And I'm, you know, I'm not sitting here in judgment of anybody else. I'm just telling you how the human mind works Without the Lord in our lives, we can easily fall victim to these thoughts and feelings because the enemy from, from the Garden of Eden and from Cain and Abel, from that early time, the enemy has been using this sin. Again, it's transparent to us because we don't see it on ourselves. And it's transparent to others because it's so obvious and it bears fruit. It bears evil fruit. And that fruit is visible to everyone around us. So how can we, um, okay, I, I want to get to another scripture here in Alma, the fifth chapter, the 29th verse. This is a beautiful chapter, Alma, the fifth chapter. It's that self-examination. It's like a questionnaire. It's an interview. You know, it's not just checking the boxes. It's like 
Examine yourself. Look deep down inside. And can you answer these questions truthfully? So in the 29th verse of this fifth chapter of Alma, he says, Behold, I say, is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? I say unto you that such an one is not prepared, and I would that he should prepare quickly, for the hour is close at hand, and he knoweth not when the time shall come, for such an one is not found guiltless. And so Alma here is saying we have to strip ourselves. We have to, we have to rid ourselves of envy. And it's not like I'm going to wait till I get to heaven and I'm going to ask God why I didn't get what I got. What he's saying here is you're not going to get there. You're not going to get that far. If you're, if you're filled with envy when you leave this life, you're not, again, you're not going to be there to ask God the question. You've got to, you've got to be prepared. And he's telling you to prepare now. Strip yourselves of envy. So I want to get to a, a little bit the practical side of it this morning. Um, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I will tell you this. Jesus is the answer to everything. And he asks us to go to him with all of our needs and all of our cares. So if you can, you know, if you can take a hard look at yourself in the mirror and, and actually spot this this sin, this covetousness, this envy. If you can admit to yourself that it's there and go to the Lord with it and say, Lord, this person that I see in, in the office every day or whatever, this person just bugs me to death with their success stories and their bragging and their this and their that. Just go to the Lord with it. And he might make that person disappear from your life or he might help you again, change you that that you just don't let that bother you as much. He might just give you grace and peace that you're able to bear it and to weather it. Whether that person is doing it deliberately or not, they have to answer to God for what they're doing um, with their talking and, and to whatever other life they live, whatever purchases they make or whatever they're able to do. Um, that's up to them. And the Lord is letting them live their life. And the Lord is letting you live your life. And you can live it in bondage to envy or you can live it free of that. So take it to the Lord and, and let him help you work it out and to be free of it and to be rid of it so that you're not just looking constantly at the person and the people around you, comparing yourselves to them and wondering why you don't have what they have. Because you do have something much more precious, much more valuable. You have your eternal salvation. And let's keep that in perspective today, brothers and sisters and friends. Don't let anyone take your crown, including somebody else's postings on their social media. It's, it's not worth it. And eventually, whether it's ours or it's someone else's, eventually, when we're gone from this earth, it's all going to someone else. You know, we can give it away and bless people with it, or we can die and someone still, somebody else still gets it. It's just, you know... That's our choice to make. But in the meantime, as you're working it out in prayer, just some ideas about helping yourself just get over it in your actions. Um, and this is, this is just watching, again, this is watching kids on, on the softball team in Little League, and this is what they do. This is what the coaches do. After the game, they line up, and everyone goes and shakes each other's hand. And it's like, it's not about, again, it's not about who won or who lost or who did a great job or not. It's like, just 
let's just understand we're all just people here living our lives. So we just need to be able to do that. And if, you know, if your kid is the pitcher on the team and the other team's pitcher pitches a no-hitter game, you know, the flesh is like just seething, just angry, like I can't believe how they creamed us. They just crushed this game. And you're like mad. You don't even want to talk to them. You want to like leave with your kid and go to the parking lot and drive away as fast as you can. But can you bring yourself to be, you know, take the high road and go and congratulate the kid who pitched the no-hitter and tell him what an amazing job he did. And if you know who their parents are, you know, no matter if you don't like them or not, and I'm not asking you to marry them, but shake their hand and tell them how proud they should be or how proud they must be of their kid who just pitched a no-hitter. Just, you know, get, just release that from yourself. You know, support people. Celebrate with them. Enjoy what they enjoy. Um, just allow yourselves to, to um, partake in their successes and their victories. The person at work who got the promotion that you thought you were lined up for, you know, you don't have to spend the rest of your life hating them for it. You can be their best, you can be their fan, you can be their support, you can become valuable to them uh, to the point where your life is, is blessed because uh, that they were raised up into that place. So there's so many good benefits from freeing yourself of envy. And I, I'm mentioning a few and there's not time to really go into it. And really there's no point in trying to be specific because there's so many different applications in our lives, brothers and sisters and friends, where um, not having envy in our lives is just so much more freeing, so much a greater blessing. So these things can apply everywhere in our lives. And, and as I brought just a few scriptures out, I just want to, you to understand how strongly the Lord in his written word has told us that we cannot give place to this in our lives. And there's a lot of other sins, and you know, the, the Ten Commandments cover a lot of them. And uh, the, the commandment of loving God and loving others above ourselves, that's, that's, that all encompasses it. Again, envy doesn't have any place in those things. So may we think about this one because it's a little bit invisible, a little bit transparent to us. May we uh, look harder in the mirror at ourselves. Um, I think the Lord wants us to be completely free of this. And as, as tempting as it, as it is in the world, and I use that word tempting because we have a tempter who just won't give up. We need to um, look up to the Lord and look at our salvation, look at our Savior who died on the cross of Calvary and understand his grace and his mercy and count your blessings. There's so many. If I think about what the Lord has given me that I don't deserve, the good things that he's given me, um, I really don't have time or space to worry about what the person next door is doing or has or whatever. So may God bless you this morning. I love you all. Um, I felt the Lord prompting me to go in this direction. And again, it's uh, sometimes these things are delicate, but the Lord wants us to be uh, like his son, Jesus Christ, and he wants us to have a clean heart before him. So may God bless you. Well, I hope many of us are challenged today, if not all of us. And 
there was a term that was used a couple of times, and we talked about jealousy and we talked about envy this morning. And I want to clarify how I see it in my mind, those two words. And it says, jealousy says, I want what you have. Simple. Take it a step further, though. Envy says, I want what you have, but I can't have what you have. So therefore, I don't want you to have it either. And think about those two statements. In our service to Jesus Christ, can those two statements be compatible with him in our relationship? And how beautiful Brother Anthony put it this morning that sometimes we don't see that because I, first and foremost, am guilty of both of these, both in life and sadly in the church. You know, it's the ultimate keeping up with the Joneses is what this sermon is about, is we see what the world says we should have, and we say, we want it, I desire it. And when we see somebody who has it and we have trouble getting there, we say, well, they shouldn't have it either. And sadly, we bring that into the church of Jesus Christ and we say, well, why should that brother or sister have the gift of visions or dreams? Well, if they have it, and I don't, neither of us should. And we bring in this evil, just like um, the scripture in Genesis, how sin lieth at the door. You see, we start to put in the standards of the world. And that transparent sin, we miss looking at it every day in the mirror. So our challenge today is that we might understand our shortcomings. You know, we heard last week the reasons why Jesus came into this world. But guess what? When we give our lives to him, we're still flesh and blood. We still make mistakes. We still struggle. And that's what I love about Brother Anthony's opening verse. In his opening statement, he says, I am a sinner saved by grace. You see, we all make mistakes. We all have sin. We all sometimes get jealous. We sometimes um, have envy towards other people. And we make these mistakes, but the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are forgiven. And if we repent and we turn our lives to him, And we break our hearts before him and say, Lord, I made a mistake. He will forgive you. I want to close with this verse. It's in Philippians, the fourth chapter. And in the tenth verse, excuse me, in the eleventh verse, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. That's what the Apostle Paul says. It says, I know both how to be abased, meaning I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be in prison is what he's saying. I know how to abound. I've been on cloud nine. I've been there. I've had riches. I feasted. I had all the things naturally in this world. I've been in both places, both spiritually and naturally, the apostle Paul was. He says, everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, we, we hear that last verse you know, pointed out so many times. And 
you know, popular society and we'll see, well, I can do anything that Christ who strengthens me, but we forget the verses that lead up to it. We forget that God has called us to be content with the talents that he has given us because all things come from him. And whether he's given you one talent or 20 talents this morning, the fact is that Jesus Christ loves you so much that he gave it specifically for you. And he has a plan for your life. And our goal is today that we walk a little closer with him, that we find the stumbling blocks in our lives. Sometimes they're obvious and sometimes they're transparent and we need someone else to point it out to us. But my prayer today is that we've all looked deep within inside of us, that we might understand that we are not perfect. And the only way through perfection is Christ Jesus. And the only way to get there is completely submitting to him and letting more of him shine in your life. So may God bless you this week. May you understand that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life in our lives. May you understand that he can change any aspect of sin in your lives, that he can take it out and break you and mold you and turn you into that new creature in him. I'm so excited for the message. I'm so excited for you joining us today. May God bless you this week. Join us this week for our uh, midweek service on Wednesday. Um, again, you can email us at news at mesabranch.com. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram for our link to join us, but we're excited to have you and all of our visitors are welcome. May God bless you and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for being our Father, Lord. Where sometimes we need to be picked up and held, and other times we need to be chastened, Lord, and told of our mistakes, Lord, and where we are falling short. And no matter how you interact with us, Lord, we know that you are doing it because you love us. And that you want nothing but the best for your children today. And I pray that you might guide us, that you might strengthen us, that you might help us understand our stumbling blocks, but more importantly, that we might understand that we have strength in your son, Jesus Christ, that his grace and his mercy is sufficient for us, that if we rely on you, that we depend on you, Lord, that you can do all things in our lives. So I pray that you might bless um, everyone watching today. I pray that you might bless those who are sick and those who are afflicted. Lord, we love you so much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for joining.